What is up guys and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason and today I am back flying solo, which I'm actually okay with this week because there's a there's a subject I've been wanting to do for a little while and it all stemmed from people saying certain things to me um, and two two things stick into my mind and they are the phrases I love board games but I can't afford it and all modern games are horrendously overpriced okay so these two statements they unfortunately have been uttered to me more times than I care to remember and while they both have an element of truth to them depending, of course, on what games you may well be looking at at the time, it's not 100% truthful, and in fact can be quite damaging to the growth of this wonderful hobby when talking to prospective new hobbyists. Now, yes, I know the allure of big boxes and billions of components and minis is strong, and I, more often than not, bow to their desires to be purchased. But, as I have found out, too many times the hard way big boxes do not always equal fun and i would have been better spending that exact same money on a small mansion in shropshire you know some of these games can get extortionately expensive and then to turn out to be utter garbage so what i wanted to do was actually prove a point that you don't have to spend a ton of money in order to get a good fun game now we've talked about games in the past that we like um, that aren't too expensive, you know, just a couple of weeks ago or even last week, can't remember what it was, we talked about Meepleland. You know, it's less than £40. It's a really good fun game, but still £40 is expensive to a lot of people. You know, you could go down to the likes of the crew quest for Planet Nine, which again, you're looking at about £20. And while that's cheap to someone like me, someone on a very, very, very tight budget, that's still expensive. You know, that's a lot of food that could be brought into a household. So what I wanted to do was go the cheapest of the cheap. Now, yes, it's true, you can get games out there which cost you £5, but to be honest, some of them, well, in fact, most of them just are not all that great. They do what they do, but they don't have much replayability to them. Whereas if you up that to £10, okay, it's, a, it's double the price of a £5 game, but £10 gives you so much scope for really, really good games. I can't lie to you. I, I wrote down all the games that I wanted to talk about. And because this is a this is a you know a top five list, if you like, I couldn't include all of them. So I could probably do this list four or five times over uh, with the amount of games that I wanted to talk about. But I have whittled it down. I've whittled it down to probably the first five that I would recommend for people. So yeah, today I am here to bring you a very quick episode with five games that I think prove you do not need to spend more than £10 in order to bring a truly fun game to the party. My rules when constructing this list were obviously cost. Before being added, um, I had to find at least two copies of the game for sale for less than the £10 mark. They had to be current games available for purchase. And most important of all, they had to be good. There's no point in me recommending a game to you to prove this point if the game is utter garbage. So, that being said, 
Each of these games can be found at the time of recording for less than £10, and most can even be found in your friendly local game store. So, what I say to you now is grab your headphones, stick the podcast on on your headphones, and head down to your local store as we dive in. Five. Okay, so the first one up on our list today is Push. And to be honest, this game really surprised me when I got a hold of a copy of it last year, because if I'm honest, the packaging is really uninspiring and very uno looking so yeah i didn't take much notice of it for a very long time until my son wanted it i tried it and then realized how good the game actually was now this game is a simple push your luck card game by prospera hall you might even recognize that name well prospera hall are the geniuses that brought us the likes of back to the future back in time disney villainous and all of its expansions horrified and many, many more great games. Prospera Hall are a real amazing company releasing great games. Now, this one was released in 2018. It's for two to six players. It's a small box game, but it really does pack a huge punch, despite the fact that it just has a deck of Uno-esque cards and a single die. In the game, players alternate turns drawing coloured cards numbered one through six into stacks to create unique non-matching sets to get the most points. On a player's turn they draw cards to add up to three columns. These columns may only contain cards of unique numbers and colours. At any time the player can stop and take all of the cards in any column of their choice which would then end their turn. Once they've done this, the remaining players go round the table, taking the remaining sets until there are none remaining. However, if the player happens to draw a card that they cannot play in any of the three columns, they immediately end their turn without drawing and have to roll the colored die and discard all cards in their tableau that match that die's color. And as we know, games just love adding a pinch of salt into the wound, and that's no different here. After you've done all of that, your opponents still get to pick cards from the available set. So yeah, marvellous, you get nothing. If anything, you lose stuff, but your opponents get to gain extra bits. Now, quick caveat, while this game's RRP actually is over that £10 threshold, I purchased this game for £9, and in doing my research for this list, I found it for similar prices on various different websites. I also checked two of my friendly local gaming stores and they both had it for less than the £10 price mark. So it does qualify for the list and that's why I've put it at number five. Moving on. Four. Moving on to number four now is Hanabi or Hanabi, depending on which part of the world you are from as to how you say it. Have you ever wanted to set fireworks off inside your house? Hanabi provides you with the safest way that will not set your house ablaze. Published by Asmodee for two to five players aged eight and up, the game is the oldest in this list as it first debuted back in 2010 and is still going strong having won multiple awards in its tenure. The game is a cooperative game in which players try to create the perfect fireworks show by placing the cards on the table in the right order. The card deck consists of five different colors of cards numbered one to five in each color. For each color the players must try to place a row in the correct order 
from 1 to 5. Sounds really easy, right? Well, not really. As in this game, you have to hold your cards away from you so that they're only visible to the other players. It is then the task of the players and yourself to assist your other players in playing a card. You must give them hints regarding the numbers or the colours of their cards. Players must act as a team to avoid errors and to finish the fireworks display before they run out of cards. Now, I, I've only played this game a handful of times and every single time I have absolutely loved it. It's won countless awards in its tenure, as I said. And do you know what? If you can get hold of, hold of a copy of this, it's definitely worth it. At the moment, it's, it is available. Um, it comes as like a multilingual version, so you may well see it listed as a German version, but it always comes with the English rules in it as well. So it doesn't really matter where you get it from, you should be able to play it. Now, Hanabi is not one that gets broken out of my game nights all that often, but that is purely because I have not introduced it to as many people as I, as I possibly could. Uh, that is drastically changing now it's now a game that's on the top of my list it's one of the first games i like to break out on a night it's great fun and you know when you lose it's great to be able to blame other people for not being able to tell you what cards you had so yeah great fun all around that's hanabi hanabi and that's the number four three moving on to number three we move into a pocket size game as we dive into the depths with Deep Sea Adventure by Oink Games. Now, before I dive into this one, I'm just going to say loads of games from Oink are absolutely fantastic. It was very hard to pick. I chose this one because it was the very first Oink Games one I played, and I bought it within minutes of playing it. So I recommend this one highly, but also Oink Games as a company are one of the first companies on here that I say, yeah, just check out any of their games. They're almost guaranteed to be great. So moving on in this game, players try to gain the most points over three rounds. In order to gain points, you must bring the most ruins back to the submarine. You can only return to the submarine once per round and you cannot redive after returning. You cannot return to the submarine without bringing any ruins. The further down the track you go, the greater the prize support. However, all players work from a single oxygen tank. And once that tank runs out, it's game over for that round. If you do not make it back, you do not get points. This is a very simple little game. And for me, it is a must have for any collection. Like I said, it's pocket size. It genuinely fits inside a pocket. I personally made things really easy for organization inside the box as well by 3D printing an insert, which works fantastic, holds everything in place amazingly. I'm actually recommending this one to my friendly local game store to get in as a playable copy as well as a copy to sell. So I would imagine that most of your friendly local game stores will have this available. And if not, they will easily be able to get it. It sells for about 8 to 11 pounds so you can buy it less than 10 pounds it's just a case of finding that seller two okay so we move on to number two now the reason that i've put this one at number two is as you probably imagine on the top five list i love this game and i tried this for the first time i think it was in 2019 when i was at a business toy and games fair and I have been in love with it ever since. The game in question is The Mind. The game hit shelves in 2018 
and was released by Coiled Spring Games. It's designed to be played with two to four players ages eight and up. The Mind has players working cooperatively where silence is golden. That's right, working together in silence. The aim of the game is to play all cards in your hand in numerical order into the center of the table without giving any indication of the number on your card until it is placed down. If you put a card down too early and another player has one lower than you, you will lose a collective life. First round is fairly simple as all players start with just one card. Second round, two cards and so on and so forth. The game gets progressively harder and is insanely addictive and is definitely a must have in my opinion. Every person I've introduced this game to wasn't too sure on the idea when I was trying to encourage them to play the game. But then when I just say, sod it, put it down on the table, anyone who's playing is playing. They absolutely loved it. Um, there's been a fair few people that have also gone on to purchase the game and have introduced it to their friends, their family, who have also loved the game. So yeah, well received all around. I believe the game has won a fair amount of rewards as well. And it's one that I'm going to get to see the table a lot more in the coming weeks and months as we start to start up our gaming clubs one okay so moving on to the number one slot now i'm pretty sure with all the games that we've talked about here on the meeple minded over the past year and a bit that you're probably trying to guess what my number one is going to be and yeah it is a game we've talked about a fair bit in the past and that is bandido that's right bandido or bandida i believe has been there is like a, a female prisoner version now. Let's be honest, you knew it was going to be on this list and you probably knew it was going to be in the number one position. And there's a good reason for that. Bandido is a small box car game, which we all know I love. And this game probably packs the biggest punch and takes up the most amount of space, in fact, <laughs> as anything on this list. Do not play this game if you only have a small table. It does spread out really, really quickly. For those that do not know, Bandido is a game released by Helvtick. I always pronounce that wrong, so I do apologise. Helvtick in 2016, bringing one to four players together in a cooperative fashion to block the escaping prisoner who has absconded from his cell and is using a network of tunnels to escape. It is your job to use the cards in your hand to block all available exits to the tunnel system before the draw deck runs out and the prisoner escapes scott free honestly the the premise of this game is so simple the box is so small and yet it sprawls so so much it's a big big game in a tiny tiny box imagine disney genie phenomenal cosmic powers itty bitty living space that is this game to a t I cannot recommend Bandido enough. It was the first game I recommended to my friendly local game store when they asked me what games would I recommend we get in for, you know, maybe not upselling, but, you know, what games are we going to get in that are going to be fun for everyone? Bandido was number one. Got it in. They sold multiple copies straight away. Sold out. Got it in again. Sold out again. It is a fantastic game. And this is another company. Helvetic are another company. No matter what they touch, they seem to turn it to gold. I'm yet to find a Helvetic game that I do not enjoy. But anyway, yeah, there you go. Bandido is my number one recommendation for games under £10. 
that also pack a great punch. So there you have it. My personal list of five games to prove you don't need to spend lots of money to get a game that packs a great punch at the table. Do you agree with my choices? I'd really love to know that. Do you have any others that you think should have been on this list? But as I said, trust me, I had so many I wanted to add, but with just five slots to fill, I just I think I overestimated just how many of these games there really were out there. But either way, let me know on any of our social media pages. Links to all of those will be found in the podcast description. Uh, you can also find access onto our Discord server there as well. We would really love to hear your opinions. But for now, I'm done jabbering on. I'm going to pass over to our newsman, Paul, and his friendly rubber duck, Brian, for this week's news, Kickstarter campaigns, and event information. So thank you very much for joining us, guys. I will see you in a minute. Brian, what are you up to now? Packing? Well, it's good to see you're getting yourself prepared. Hell's bells, this bag weighs a ton. What's in it? What on earth? We do not need this. Or this. And certainly not that. Oh, come on, we're only away for two nights. What do you mean you've never been away before? Whatever. Oh, you're gonna love it. But yeah, we certainly don't need these either. Look, it's just the essentials. Here's my list, so copy that. We're travelling light, so that means we can bring more games back, right? That's right. Now you go and repack, and I'll get this week's news read out. Japan has appointed a water-type Pokemon as their official water ambassador for Water Day on August 1st. The water-type Eevee Evolution Vaporeon is now the official mascot for Water Day, a Japanese initiative run by the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure, Transport and Tourism. Given its very own mascot suit, Varperion was initiated in a ceremony held by Japan's Minister of Land, Infrastructure, Transport and Tourism. The holiday of Water Day raises awareness of conservation of aquatic habitats and animals and is celebrated annually in Japan. Varperion is just the latest in a few Pokemon mascots to represent a Japanese initiative. Lapras has also been given a starring role as the ambassador for Japan's Miyagi Prefecture with the intention of increasing public transport use in the area, and both Slowpoke and Geodude have also represented similar interests in the past. But they are not the first to grace the streets of Japan as Pokemon started collaborating with local municipalities around Japan to create poke lids, called Pokefuta in Japanese. These are manhole covers with amazing one-of-a-kind Pokemon designs. It was originally created to encourage more or tourism to lesser known areas, since if you want to see your favourite Pokemon's cover, you have to go to that particular location. But the campaign proved so popular that now these designs can be found all over Japan, even in popular areas like central Tokyo and tourist hotspots like 
Kyoto. A prefecture which participated quite early on was Hokkaido, and they've just got even more manholes installed. As Japan's biggest and northernmost prefecture, the covers are spread far and wide for intrepid Pokemon trainers to find. The Pokemon chosen to be included in this adorable original designs is Vulpix, and in Japan's frozen north, it's only appropriate that Vulpix's ice-type regional form, the Alolan Vulpix, be included too. Seven new designs have been installed, bringing Hokkaido's grand total to 26. These seven manhole covers were installed in time for Tanabata on the 7th of the 7th, and also features seven Pokemon, so you can see a bit of a theme going on. Each design stars Vulpix, as well as the various other Pokemon frolicking about. The location of these one-of-a-kind covers can be found on the Pokelids website, which now includes 189 individual covers scattered all across Japan. Spiel des Jahres is the most coveted of board game awards, and this week has announced the winner of both the Spiel des Jahres Game of the Year and Kenner Spiel des Jahres Expert Game of the Year. For the Spiel des Jahres, the winner is Micro Macro Crime City, a game reminiscent of Where's Wally, where you're searching a large image for clues to various prompts. The judges' comments were as follows, a large black and white poster and a few cards. That's all. Micro Macro Crime City needs to captivate players. When they lean in over the table to take in the whole scene, you can cut the tension with a knife. Everyone's eyes flit over the city map, trying to reveal new information about each crime. Heated discussions between players about motives and evidence can create truly unforgettable moments. For the Kenner Spiel, the expert game of the year, the winner went to Paleo. The game transports you back to the hunter-gatherer days and centers around cards. The judges said, It's extraordinary how Paleo manages to create dynamic stories and images in the players' minds that will stay there long after the game has ended. Through the relentless struggle for survival, we learn that we are only as strong as the group. The variety of different events keep our curiosity peaked through several playthroughs and rewards the exploration of this exciting and unforgiving Stone Age world. These followed the announcement of the Kinderspiel, with a Dragomino winning the coveted title. For those of you who don't like visiting the dentist, and who does, you may want to skip this bit. Battle Dentale might be a board game for those afraid of the dentist to avoid, as the upcoming strategy title tasks players with extracting, filling, and swapping teeth in a human jawbone in order to score points. Created by designer Emily Willicks, Battle Dentale sees one player taking on the role of the Tooth Fairy on the hunt for pearly whites, while their rival goblin player attempts to yoik yellow gnashes, in other words, playing is like pulling teeth, but in a good way. The player moves around a board that represents the top and bottom halves of a human jawbone, complete with teeth on each space. As they move, the players can pull teeth to add them to their collection, fill empty sockets with already pulled teeth, or swap a tooth with one adjacent or from their collection. Lining up three or more teeth of the same colour, either white or yellow, allows players to extract multiple teeth in a single go. Just try not to think about that too much, while landing on your opponent's face gives you the chance to steal from their tooth collection. The Tooth Fairy and the Gum Goblin 
can cast magic spells to remove or add decay, with cavities worth less to the fairy, while rotten teeth benefit the goblin. Gold crowns add value to capped teeth, with objective cards requesting specific combinations of pulled teeth, such as multiple wisdom teeth. The players take turns until all the teeth of either colour have been removed before totalling their scores. The two-player board game is estimated to play in as little as 20 minutes, but up to half an hour, with different variants adjusting the level of difficulty, randomisation and player-on-player -player interaction. Battle Dentali was a finalist for this year's Cardboard Edison, an award for unpublished board game designs. Willix's game won't remain unpublished for long, having been picked up by recently founded CoraQuest publisher and local game studio Bright Eye Games for release in Q2 2022. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding now. The first two are up on Kickstarter, with the third over on GameFound. And up first is Auction Web by Myanmar Games. It's for two to five players, takes 20 minutes to play, is for 10 years and older, and ends on Tuesday, August the 10th. Auction sales aren't fair. Someone's got to be the winner among five organizations that takes 15 to 25 minutes to play. In Auction Web, players take on roles as powerful leaders of five mysterious organizations seeking to bid successfully on properties with in-game cryptocurrency litcoins. Every litcoin comes with a lowball ability, which adds blending strategy and twists to the gameplay. In order to win, you must be ready to read the next steps of your rivals and analyse their strategy. While on the service, it seems like a simple high card game wins, most cards have secondary effects that trigger upon a loss so clever timing and card play tend to be the name of the game. On top of all that, properties provide unique benefit and certain combinations provide additional points as well, so players will find they have multiple routes to victory. Variety in properties, their combinations and its trigger effects provide a lot of replayability and add depth to the game. Your trial membership entitles you to 14 Litcoin credits to get you started. Best of luck and remember our motto, no refunds. And the pledge levels come in at a print and play pledge for just $5 or £4. The Litcoin backer for £21.16 gets you a copy of the game. Jump in at the Eco Warriors Edition pledge level for $89 or £65 gets you the game. An upgraded box with a magnetic closure, exclusive Kickstarter deck and token organizers, free shipping, game mat, and access to playtest in order to claim an expansion. And next up, and this one's also on Kickstarter, is Oros by Brandt Brinkerhoff, published by Ace Games and Board Game Circus. It's for one to four players, takes about 30 minutes per player, is for ages 14 years and older and it ends on Thursday, August the 12th. The Wise One, immortal keeper of wisdom and knowledge, has sent demigods endowed with earth-moving power to the far reaches of humanity. In Oros, each player acts as one of these demigods. They must entrust their followers in the wisdom of the mountains through study, worship, and experience. And only in the heights of the mountains can the greatest mysteries be known. Oros is a tile-colliding, volcano-erupting, mountain-making, wisdom-gathering, action-economy strategy game. 
On individual player maps, players move their followers between action spaces, allowing them to manipulate a shared environment like a giant puzzle of plate tectonics. Action spaces allow players to shift rows of land, move and collide land tiles, form and erupt volcanoes, worship to gain wisdom, journey their followers around the ever-shifting landscape, and build sacred places of study and worship on the mountains. Building sacred places and worshipping in sacred places brings wisdom, which is used to improve the abilities available for each action space. Wisdom is also used to improve the endgame value of each sacred place built. When building sacred places, the demigods of the Wise One ascend a ziggurat which acts as a timer towards the end of the game. When one player reaches the top, players finish the round and then tally a final score. At the core of Auros is the unique ability to shift, move, build up, erupt and reposition the land within an infinitely connected play environment. This mechanic turns every action into a puzzle of creative problem solving, abstract thinking and a constantly evolving strategy. Another chief aspect of the game is the player map which uses a minimal worker placement mechanic to govern action opportunity. The map also maintains an action economy that evolves differently for each player as they invest their gained wisdom into a variety of action improvements. Because of these core aspects there are dozens of strategies for players to explore and every game plays out in a different yet competitive way. So the standard edition pledge is at $50 or £37 and that grants you the game, all standard edition stretch goals, a print and play version and digital wallpapers together with a social media kit. Collector's edition is at $75 or £55 which replaces wooden tokens for all of the card components of the standard edition, grants you the collector's stretch goals, print and play version and digital wallpapers and the social media kit. And lastly on crowdfunding, and this one is over on GameFound, and it's due to be released on Tuesday, our release day. It's Divinus by Philippe Milunski and Lucky Duck Games. It's for two to four players. It's going to take 45 to 60 minutes to play, and is for ages 10 years and over. Campaign, as of recording, hasn't quite started, so we haven't got a finish date. Divinus is a competitive legacy tile-laying digital hybrid game in which you play as another demigod seeking to gain the favour of the gods and ascend to a new pantheon. Players embark on a 12 scenario campaign that will see them exploring lands, completing quests, interacting with gods and impacting the outcome of the epic clash between Greek and Norse pantheons. At the beginning of each campaign scenario, players open a sealed box of new quests, components, stickers, gods, gameplay mechanics and more. The Divinus app provides a narrative for players and sets the stakes for what is to come. Each turn, players spend dice from their pool to explore new tiles from the world board. Laying tiles into their demigod map, they must place tiles adjacent to one another and with matching features while working towards overall quest and god goals. Throughout the campaign, players make permanent changes to their demigods by collecting powerful artifacts, forging their dice by altering the faces and earning titles for the feats they achieve. 
Players will also permanently change the game world by altering tiles and placing new locations, heroes and monsters onto the map tiles. When players complete quests or other significant goals, they can make pivotal decisions through the Divinus app. Players will decide the outcome of dilemmas, such as choosing which side is victorious in battle, building or destroying a holy site, and choosing whether a god lives or dies. Whichever outcome the player chooses, the game components may be changed and the Divinus app will remember and present contextual options in the future that are impacted by your decisions. Returning to a fort that you helped the Norse gods build could see you praised, while demigods favoured by the Greek pantheon could be shunned. The Divinus campaign is ideally played over several game sessions due to the persistent and changing world. The rulebook grows with each scenario as new rules and content are unlocked. Once the campaign is complete, Players can replay their unique copy of Divinus with a post-campaign infinite replayability mode. Again, this campaign wasn't live at the time of recording, so head on over to GameFound if you're interested to check out the prices and the end date. And we're heading on over to events now, and if you didn't know, it's UKGE this week, running from Friday through to Sunday at the NEC in Birmingham. We shall be there on Friday and Saturday, with Jason around on the Friday as well. We'll be sporting meeple-minded apparel, so if you do spot one of us, head on over and chat. We're friendly people. Wednesday evenings is gaming at the comic shop in Crawley. Last week's was very well attended, but we can always squeeze a few more in. £5 for the evening with refreshments on site. Head on over to the socials for more information. Dave and Lewis Board Game Club are all over at the Trinity Gaming Cafe in Lewis on Thursdays running from 7.30 to 11.30 and just £3 ahead with a tuck shop on site. Head on over to socials to book yourself a space. Unfortunately, Crawley Borough Council are still being a pain in Jason's posterior and as yet still have not released the community hall for use. But stay posted to the Meeple Minded and Crawley Gaming Club socials for any changes on that. And as a bonus, okay, a little way off, but it is a bonus, my group, Mid Sussex Peoples, will be returning to Cypress Hall in Burgess Hill on the 19th of September, the 17th of October, and the 5th of December for a full day of gaming on each of those dates. Running from 10am till 6pm, I hope there's enough notice that some of you can come and join us for those. Other than that, I better go and see how Brian's getting along packing before we head off for Birmingham this weekend. You sort it out now, Brian? No. I'm sure they'll have fresh milk for breakfast. Where on earth did you get a bloody cow from? Um, go leave it in Jason's. We'll let him deal with it. Uh, uh, before you go, say goodbye to everyone. Tell them that you'll see them in Birmingham. And it's also a goodbye from me this week. Look after yourselves, meeples. Stay safe. Keep those dice rolling, card shuffling, and we'll hopefully be here for you next week. That's if we don't get stuck in Birmingham. Have a good week, people. Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining me this week for another solo edition of the Meeple Minded Podcast. And obviously my discussion about games that cost less than £10. Now, you know, do not take this as a thing that I have a, a thing against big box games because trust me, I really don't. I have spent hundreds upon hundreds on games uh, that have turned out to be really great fun. But also, I like to just 
come back down to earth once in a while, find a nice cheap game that everyone can enjoy, no matter what your sort of financial income. You know, I like to think that £10 is is something that most people can afford. And if they can't, you know, it's it's nice for more gamers to have these type of games because then people that can't afford games, even in the slightest, still have access to a good, fun time because that is what we are all here for. That's what the games are designed for is to have fun. That being said, I'm going to disappear. I urge you to do the same. Go and play some games, have some fun, introduce some new blood into our hobby, and let's make this the best possible community we possibly can. I've been Jason. You've been listening to The Meeple Minded. Join us again next Tuesday for another episode of The Meeple Minded podcast, talking about all things tabletop gaming. But until then, take care, game safe. Bye-bye.